This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Welcome back to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week we review the stories that made the market and business headlines. And as it's our final episode of 2018, we'll look back on a dramatic year with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. But it was another dramatic week. Today, we raised our target range for the short-term interest rates by another quarter of a percentage point. Most of my colleagues expect the economy to continue to perform well in the coming year. Many had expected that economic conditions would likely call for about three more rate increases in 2019. We have brought that down a bit and now think it is more likely that the economy will grow in a way that will call for two interest rate increases over the course of next year. If we have a hard Brexit, it will be devastating for British companies. And if it's devastating for British companies, It'll be devastating for people who work in those companies. I just still find it incredible that you've got 50 Tory MPs who still think that a hard Brexit's a good idea. Until a deal has been ratified, it is the responsible position of government to put in place contingency arrangements for no deal. If he wants to ensure that we leave the European Union with a deal, then he has to put into practice what he's saying and actually vote for a deal. And it's a very... Happy Christmas and a Happy New Year to Craig Earlham. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not feeling too happy right this second. Uh, I, I've caught the festive bug, it would seem. So uh, Sounds I'm, like you've been overdoing it a bit. Yeah, I mean, it is the festive period. You do tend to uh, get a, a bit ahead of yourself, but uh, I'm now very much paying the price and caught that whatever that bug is that's going around. There's always one every year, I guess, and uh, I'm the latest victim. Indeed. Well, it was the final full business week of the year. I'm not sure how much business people were doing, but we didn't exactly see a Santa rally uh, this time around. It was more of a Santa sprawl. Markets hit by the US Fed's rise in interest rates as well as concerns about a possible US government shutdown because of this uh, impasse between Mr Trump and Congress, which centres on the president's demand for funding for a, a border wall. It was the fourth rate rise in 2018, Craig, and markets did not like it, did they? No, um, and I think equally they didn't like the fact that the Fed didn't really go very far in revising down expectations for next year either. They'd previously factored in three rate hikes for next year. That was only lower to two. So combine that with the rate hike uh, that we had this week. And it suggests that there hasn't been too much of a shift from the central bank to align itself with what markets are thinking and what are people thinking uh, for next year. The markets were actually pricing in, prior to this event, were pricing in only a 50% chance of uh, a second rate hike from before the meeting to the end of next year. With this rate hike in place, markets are effectively saying, we think it's a coin toss if there's going to be another rate hike at all next year. Yeah, earlier we heard a clip of Jerome Powell, who's um, sort of halfway house, isn't he, about the US economy at the moment? The central bank is very aware of the risks to the economy. Uh, I think from his perspective and from his colleagues' perspective, we've got to remember this is an entire group of economists and other professionals who are making these decisions. Generally, the consensus view seems to be that the economy is ticking along well. Yes, there's risks, but there have been long-term risks to the economy. Yes, people are thinking there's going to be a slowdown next year, but they're not planning on raising rates as aggressively next year. Uh, from their perspective, they're saying, well, the economy's booming. It's it's doing well. We're seeing strong growth rates. We've got unemployment at the lowest level in decades. Wages are picking up. Why wouldn't we be raising interest rates when inflation, after everything we've done, is bang on target? I mean, from their perspective, it's hard to argue. 
We'll discuss a little bit more about President Trump and the effect he's had on the markets this year when we look back on the 2018 in a moment or two. But crossing the pond for a bit, the Bank of England cut its growth forecast and warning uh, a lack of uh, Brexit clarity is hitting the economy. Of course, no surprise uh, that there was no uh, interest rate rise. Nine to zero, the Monetary Policy Committee panel, all unanimously against the idea of a rate rise. It said the economy was likely to grow by 0.2% in the final quarter of this year. That's down from an earlier forecast from 0.3%. Not a huge difference, but exactly not exactly going in the right direction, is it? It expects slower economic growth to continue into 2019. Now, of course... All of these statements that I've just uh, mentioned uh, from the bank are really in the shadows of the B word, Brexit. It's all down to what happens, whether there's a deal between now and the end of March, and what happens beyond if there isn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the forecasts which we see are only relevant if we get the smooth Brexit, which they're anticipating. And right now, it seems like there's a number of different ways it can go that doesn't offer that smooth Brexit. But, I mean, I've got to be honest, that my still base case is very much that we are going to see something resembles Theresa May's deal. I think we're going to go a long way about getting there. We could have a no-confidence vote in the government prompted by Labour. Why won't the EU just do us a favour and give us a bit of uh, wording, a bit of clarification on that wording? It wouldn't hurt too much. Are they underneath really hoping that there's going to be so much chaos we might not have a Brexit at all. Is this their last stab at that? It's not clarity that they're not offering. What the UK wants, what Parliament wants, is assurances that we're not going to be stuck in a permanent backstop. So it's not just clarity on the deal. It's that we actually want a legal way out if certain conditions are met. And what's wrong with that? Listen, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm very much of the view that there's nothing wrong with that. It's From a purely political standpoint, it's really an, an extremely difficult sell because really the reason why this is being put in is because they're not so they're saying we don't trust you that's a really hard sell so it's not even clarification it's actually far more uh, significant than that that they're looking for but i do think the eu is playing a game here i do think they're playing politics i think they know that if this vote goes to parliament there's a number of things which will stop a no deal happening and they have been watching from the outside just like we have hearing mps from across the board saying we will not let a no deal happen well that's Theresa may's negotiating tool that's she's saying if you don't give us this it's no deal but I know everyone behind her is saying, we're not accepting no deal. We'll do anything to avoid no deal. We'll have second referendums. We'll have elections. We'll do whatever it takes. We're not having no deal. So you're, you're negotiating hang is going severely weakened. So the EU's clearly thinking, and fair play to them, this is what I would be doing in their situation. They're saying, well, if no deal's off the table, then we're going to put in conditions in here which favour us. And also possibly a second referendum as well, which is a calculation that they're... I suppose it's fair play to them, really, that if they think there's a 30% chance of a second referendum, it probably is at the moment, mm -hmm. then uh, why not go for it? Yeah, I mean, it's win-win from their perspective. They're thinking we either get the deal we, which we want, which uh, keeps the UK in this backstop, worst-case scenario, which avoids uh, a border on, uh, on the island of Ireland. But also, we've got to remember, it does give... Europe significant leverage in the trade negotiations. Take the fishing waters as a prime example, which Macron's alluded to weeks ago. This gives them that leverage to say, look, this is the only thing holding up the deal now. We want access to the waters. We can continue this for as long as you like. We've heard everything about why this backstop is unpalatable for the EU as well. But I'd much rather be in their position. For me, this is all about leverage. This is yeah. not about the Northern Irish border per se. I think this is being used... Personally, I think this is being used as a tool because otherwise, no deal Brexit delivers just that. So the EU's got a very strong hand here and that's the most important thing here because there's no unity, there is no harmony in Parliament. Should be fascinating to see what happens in 2019. Um, 
of course, of course many, many are fearing a, a very difficult first quarter for the UK. Uh, and talking of difficult, we've had some results from retail. ASOS, uh, very disappointing results for them, bearing in mind this is online rather than on high street. It seems that the retail sector is suffering right across the board. Why is that? It seems to have been a pretty shocking November all round. I know there has been some retail figures this week that suggest it's not been too bad, but we heard from Mike Ashley uh, earlier this week as well, and the language he was using was very... Um, he, he wasn't hiding anything. He was talking about... He was a, basically an atrocious month uh, for uh, retail and the problem that someone like ASOS has is they've got a sound business plan they're probably best positioned out of the, these major retailers where they're already offering competitively priced clothing where they are uh, an entirely online outfit so they, their costs etc are lower but they can get dragged into what we're seeing right now and this is competitive sales effectively discounting stores in order to try and make the year-end targets, are heavily discounting to try and get people in store because footfall has been shorter. Well, if the shop to your left is discounting and the shop to your right is discounting and they're selling the same products that you are, you have no choice but to do exactly the same. And that will eventually catch up online. And it seems that ASOS um, has suggested that that's exactly what's happened. Margins have been squeezed. Overall sales, I think, were fine. But um, this suggests that the high street issue is taking its toll online. And I think in, when we're in an environment where the consumer confidence is extremely fragile and we've seen people touting Brexit without meaning to go back as a reason for spending less this Christmas, this is very challenging. Finally, after months of conversations with you about Italy, the Italian government has come to an agreement with the European Commission at uh, last. I think this is really good news for Europe. I think both sides will see this as a victory. For one, it's not being dragged out, and I think that's to the benefit of both the European Commission and uh, and Rome uh, as well. We've seen yields on Italian debt drop on the back of this quite significantly, so the pressure was really ramping up on that side. From the Italian government's perspective... They, they will declare this as a victory for their approach to this situation, the more populist approach. They will see this as a victory for democracy domestically, not just in, in, in Brussels. The European Commission will see this as a victory because they don't want to sanction any country. They did not want to apply a fine on, the, on, on Italy and further stoke more unrest uh, and further stoke more opposition to Brussels. So I think they've come to an agreement that really does suit both sides. It gives, it gives Italy that, uh, the expansionary room but it really does just, uh, I guess the question now from my perspective is, are there going to be now populist parties in other countries who are going to be saying, we will take the same approach as Italy and we will get the same result because they give it to them? One suspects the, uh, the EU want a bit more of a clear run, don't they? So they wanted to get this sorted, perhaps showing a little bit of uh, a sign of weakness because of what's happening with the UK and Brexit, because of this uh, the populism that we're seeing right across Europe. They just wanted to get this out of the way. Yeah, maybe we're seeing a, a slight change of approach from Europe. And I think most people will say that's welcome because it's when you ignore people, when people don't feel like their voices are being heard, that they tend to do more rash things. What I'm not, uh, I said this before, I'm not saying Brexit was an entirely a, a protest vote, but I think many people thought that this was their way to get their voices heard in a situation where they were previously being ignored. And I think that's similar in, in other countries. And like I said, I think this is a slight change of approach and probably a welcome one across Europe because we saw with Macron a couple of weeks ago, pulling back on tax uh, increase on fuel uh, and other areas as well, backing down effectively to the riots that we, that we were seeing in, in Paris. And that's something that you may, may have surprised people who would have thought that they would have maintained the hardline approach and said, we won't be bullied into submission. And now they're saying, actually, do you know what? If there is this much unrest, 
how about we have a discussion and find a situation which appeases us, but also appeases the people who are effectively well, voting us here. He's a pragmatist and he probably didn't have much choice really in the matter. Let's have a brief look back on this extraordinary year, uh, 2018. I mean, we've been doing these podcasts all year and uh, it has been relentless week in and week out. No wonder you're not feeling well, Craig. You just... <sighs> You, you, need, you need time to recover from all this. If you look back, what were your outstanding moments of the year, both market and business moments of the year? It's so difficult. There is so much. And I feel like uh, even now I'm sat here and I've got half a dozen things running through my mind that really stand out. And I feel like I've probably forgotten things. Uh, on the way here, I was giving this a lot of thought and I was thinking, oh, I completely forgot that there was turmoil in Turkey this year. There was It was spreading across emerging markets. That was the main story earlier on this year. And it's something that's completely fallen off the radar now because so much has happened since. Um, in terms of what the year will be remembered for, it's, again... It's hard to look past Brexit, but we've talked that to death, so I don't want to linger on that. I think this is just, in a way, in a, in a mad way, this is just the year of Trump. Trump has been the centre of everything this year. He's been the centre of trade war with China. He's been centre of attacking the Fed. He's been at the centre of pulling out of organisations. He's been at the centre of attacking Europe, threatening tariffs there as well. It's hard to see a story, or it's hard to see, think of the a big event that we've had this year, that didn't involve Trump. And I know um, I know we're looking at Italy and we're looking at Brexit and things like that. Not, they don't necessarily involve Trump. But many, many, many of the major stories that have been shaking things up this year. So Trump has been right at the centre of it. Looking ahead to 2019, obviously we could talk about the possibilities of a no-deal Brexit or a Brexit deal. What about a Trump impeachment? I think my gut instinct says there's not going to be uh, an impeachment. It will be interesting to see what the these various inquiries do find. You'd think that it's been running for a long, long time. If this, if the end result of this is that there was nothing there, then you would really question what all the theatrics have been about for so long. And you get the feeling, based on Trump's Twitter rampages, that there is something that's getting to him. Getting this is this is something that's yeah. worrying him. So that wouldn't be the case if he didn't feel like they might have something. On him. I'm not sure about impeachment, but I mean, I wouldn't completely write it off. I don't think there's anything that's going to shock me really too much anymore. Elsewhere, I think it's just going to be a very challenging year for the markets. Look at the situation right now. Since the start of October, um, we have had a market sell-off that's really caught most people off guard. Jerome Powell, right? Jerome Powell. I mean, if you were, we were talking before the show, should we make it a moment of the year or should we make it a market moment of the year? Because a moment of the year, you could list off any of the number of things that we've been discussing. Market moment of the year for me, that would be Jerome Powell. It sounds so innocent. He gave an off-the-cuff comment talking about the fact that we're not near a neutral rate yet. We could go beyond there because the economy is performing really well. And the markets haven't recovered. Um, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. There's all this underlying risk. It's the straw that broke the camel's back. Since then, he's clarified his comments and the markets haven't changed. They've dialed back expectations and the markets haven't changed. And we're near bear market territory now. We're not talking correction anymore. We're talking the Nasdaq, where uh, I think yesterday uh, the low was 19.98% off its high, 0.02% from bear market territory. This is a significant move and it's a significant shift and it highlights the worries going into next year about the fact that we are expecting an economic slowdown. Oil prices are lower, which may support the economy, but for how long? We've just seen the OPEC move. I mean, oil's been another one that's been in, had an incredible, incredible year um, if we want to talk about the key events of 2018. My favourite topic, crypto. I mean, we, we, it's fallen from close to $20,000 to close to $3,000. That's extraordinary. That's absolutely extraordinary. And I don't think that's going to be any different um, a year from now. I think it's sometimes easy to forget 
with all of the noise, with everything, all everything in the paper, with people being frustrated, chatting about the same things day in, day out, we really are living in an extraordinary time right now. And next year, I don't think it's gonna uh, it's gonna lessen up at all. Should be fascinating. Thanks for joining us in 2018. We look forward to more in 2019 and a happy Christmas and a happy new year. Absolutely. You too. Cheers, Mum. That was the Oanda Market Insights podcast for 2018. We wish you a very, very good Christmas and a happy new year. See you on the other side. Have a good one. was the Oanda podcast from the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am, listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.